Well, I'm going to open to invite you to open up your Bibles now. Uh, we're reading from Romans 12, and Steve's going to come up and lead us in that reading. This morning's passage is from Romans 12, verses 1 to 13. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Thanks, Steve. Uh, and it'd be really good to keep your Bible open there at uh, Romans chapter 12. In particular, we're going to be focusing on verses 3 to 13 there this morning. Uh, if you're new with us or you haven't been around for a little while, we are uh, doing a little series at the moment called The Church. And we're thinking about what it means to be uh, the church of the Lord Jesus, uh, who he's made us to be and what that means for the way that we interact with each other, the way we meet together, uh, the way that we do life together. And so the last couple of weeks, we've looked particularly at what we do when we gather for Sunday worship. And uh, today we're going to uh, look a little bit more broadly than that in the life of the church. Uh, hopefully you've got a sermon outline with you. Um, they were handed out uh, as you came in or handed out where you were sitting. Particularly, I want to draw your attention to the questions at the bottom this week. Um, they are really designed for growth group discussion. So if you're part of a growth group, um, I would really encourage you this week to get, make these questions kind of part of what you, you do this Sunday, uh, do this week. Um, because I try to kind of take some of the things that from this message and apply them to growth groups. So really want to encourage you to uh, do that this week. Now, of course, uh, we came out of a very different year last year. And uh, during that time of lockdown, or those times of lockdowns, uh, many businesses did it really tough. Uh, but there were some businesses that really boomed and really thrived, and particularly online businesses. And one of those online types of business that did really well were people that were supplying fitness equipment. I don't know if you, you noticed this, but there was a period of time where you couldn't buy a dumbbell or a kettlebell or a barbell for love nor money. 
Um, you couldn't buy an exercise bike or a treadmill or an elliptical, uh, or else you had to go on a six-month waiting list to do this. It went nuts. Even the, the second-hand market was, was just crazy. They talk about a COVID tax that got put on some second-hand goods, and definitely fitness equipment experienced uh, its fair share of COVID tax. Now, there was, there was good reason for that, of course. Uh, as the gyms shut down, all those junkies that needed their daily fix of sweat and pain and mirrors um, had to get that fix closer to home, or at home, uh, to be exact. And then, of course, there were another group of people who thought they would use their time of isolation to flatten some other curves um, while they were at home resting, uh, to kind of maybe get fit and to uh, be trim and terrific by the time they came out of it. Now, the upside of that now, of course, is if you want to buy secondhand gym equipment, now is the time to do it. Um, exercise bike, nine months old, used twice. Uh, going cheap. Now, of course, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about the health of our body. But I, I'm not going to be giving out health and well-being tips. I'm certainly not qualified to do that. We're going to be talking about the health of another body, the body that we call the church. Because just like our physical bodies can be healthy or unwell and everything in between, so too can the church, the body of the Lord Jesus. It can be healthy or unhealthy and everything in between. Now, during the series, we've been thinking about the church and we've been thinking about what's so special about it and why it is so important in the plans of God. And we've seen that in many ways, God has no plan B for the world. He has one plan and one plan only, and that is Jesus and his body, the church. The church is loved by God and means so much to God. And so today we want to think about what he's done to make his church a healthy body. Now to do that, we're going to be looking at these verses in Romans 12. And particularly we're going to focus on verses 3 to 13, but I just want to draw your attention to how verse 1 here starts, because it's really important. It starts there by reminding the members of the body, the people of the church, that our lives are an outflow of what God has done for us in Christ. I appeal to you by the mercies of God, because of the mercy shown to you, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because of what he has, God has done for us in Christ, because of the mercy shown, he wants us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our worship as a church, together and separate. And the first place that he applies this living sacrifice, this worship, is to the way that the church functions as a community. Of first importance in the Christian life is not how we operate out there, but how the church functions together. Now, what he does in verses 3 to 13 is he unpacks this idea 
of the church as a body. It's an illustration that he uses, Paul uses here, and he uses it in a couple of other places uh, in the New Testament as well. In fact, the church is uh, more than any other uh, way uh, referred to as the body of Christ. But then around that illustration, he provides a number of instructions. Basically saying, look, if, if this is true for the church, then this is how you are to live. So what we're going to have to do this morning is we're going to have a look at this illustration, this picture of the church, of us as a body. And then we're going to have a look at three of the instructions uh, that Paul gives to us here, how we function then as this church, as this body. So let's start then. And we're looking at verses 4 and 5, where this idea of the church as a body comes through. Verse 4, let me read. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one in body in Christ, and individually members of one another. What's he saying here? Well, he's saying this. The church, your church, is one body with many different members, and those members all have different functions. One body, many members with different functions. Now, we know how that works with our physical bodies, don't we? You and I, we are all one body, but with lots of different body parts that are different from each other. Finger is different to a kidney, and a leg is different to an eye. And we know that that diversity is there for a reason. We want our physical bodies to have lots of different parts to it, all doing different functions. In fact, our bodies wouldn't function if it was all the same thing over and over again. That diversity makes for a whole. And the same thing goes for the church, the body of Christ. We are many with differences, and there is diversity and different functions, but together we make up one body. All of that diversity adds up together to make one functioning, healthy body. Not only that, but it actually goes on to say, if you look at the end of verse 5, it says that individually we're members one of another. You and I, we, we actually don't make sense outside of the church, the body that we're a part of. God's designed us to be with his body. Now, if we take this seriously, there are a couple of things that I think flow out from this that we want to think about. Firstly, this means that God has arranged his church, any church, this church, at any one moment with all of the members that he thinks that it needs. There are no extra bits. There are no extraneous parts or pieces. There's no good, no place for thinking, what's the good of that person? What are they contributing? Or do we really need people like that who are a bit more difficult? Or for thinking, there is no place for me here. God has designed his 
body perfectly with all of the parts that he wants to be there. Secondly, it means that the church as a body should be marked by diversity. There should be lots of differences in the life of the church. Difference in age, different in background, difference in tastes, difference in gifts, in maturity, in experiences. The church should be marked by this great diversity because it's in those differences and diversity that the church actually functions as a whole, complete body. So we don't want a church that divides up by age group or music taste or ethnicity. We want a church that is full of diversity. But thirdly, in this diversity, the church must live as a unified body. And herein lies the struggle and the difficulty. The answer to unity in the church is not uniformity. Everybody looks the same, likes the same things, has the same background. The answer is unity in diversity. And that is hard work. That is costly in the church. And that's really where these three instructions that we want to consider come in. It's how we live unified as a diverse body of people who love and follow Jesus. Let's have a look at those three now. And the first one is right there in verse 3. And it's this. Think of yourselves according with think of yourself with sober judgment. Everybody is to think of themselves according to sober judgment. Now, why does it use the word sober here? Why does it use the phrase sober judgment? Well, it is actually, isn't it, the opposite of, of drunk or drunk judgment. What is, what is drunk judgment? Well, there, there are two extremes to that, aren't there? There is overinflated ego. I can do that. I can, I can walk home in the dark. I can walk that 20 Ks. I, I can jump from that building. Or there is underinflated consideration. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm worthless. Paul says, no, no, think of yourself not like that, but with sober judgment. Think of yourselves accurately. And then he goes on to say, at the end of that, verse 3, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you. See, particularly here, this is a warning against pride. Against a, a, a puffed up ego thinking that we're more important than everyone else. You see, he's reminding us that our faith, our, our faith in the Lord Jesus, whether it be new faith or older faith, mature faith or immature faith, all of it is actually a gift from God. It's apportioned to us by him. There's no place for saying, well, I've been a Christian for longer my faith is more mature, my preferences should be met. Pride has no place in the church. In fact, pride is the Christian community killer. Pride is the obstacle of unity and diversity because pride says, 
well, my gifts, my preferences, my tastes, my needs, they take priority. Churches that have pride issues are going to be unhealthy churches. I once saw a photo, uh, I don't know if you may have seen this before, uh, a photo of the guy, it was in the Guinness Book of Records, uh, who holds the world record for the number of push-ups completed in one, one sitting. Um, this photo was really interesting because he had a body that was just built for push-ups and probably push-ups only. Um, he was you know, shaped like a perfect triangle uh, sort, of, sort of thing. Up top, he was sort of all rippling muscle. You know, um, you know, you bump into one of those packs and you're going to come off second best, um, absolutely. But his legs, they were like, you know, straws, you know, eco-friendly, biodegradable straws that you can get these days. Uh, there, there was sort of nothing to them because he was just built for push-ups. He was really strong in one way, but maybe he was quite weak in another. I mean, you wouldn't want to be shaped like that on a windy day because you could get, you know, sort of blowing off to the side or something like that. But see, churches that have, have pride issues maybe grow strong or look strong in one area, but are possibly very weak in another. Because churches that grow up clamoring to the needs of a few, built around the preferences of some, are going to be unhealthy churches. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Understand that your faith comes from God. Healthy bodies, though, healthy churches, are people full of people who are growing down in pride because they are growing up in Christ. You see, in Christ, our pride is smashed, isn't it? In Christ, a pin is put to our puffed up egos. Our sense of self-worth and self-importance is replaced by humble and joyful thankfulness for all that he's done for us. All right, let's move on to the second instruction. And it comes really down in verses 6 to 8. And it, basically it's this. If you want unity in diversity, then use your gifts. It says, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Use your gifts. And in a sense, this is where the principle of unity on diversity comes to its fullest expression. The diversity of gifts that God has given to his church. So one of the incredible things that we learn about in the, New, in the Bible is that every single believer, everybody who comes to know Christ, given the Holy Spirit, is given what the New Testament calls spiritual gifts. Special enablements by the Holy Spirit to serve the church. But the emphasis is always not on the gifts given to us, but the gifts given to the church through us. An illustration that we've used before to explain this is, is the, the kid going to the birthday party. And uh, mum and dad go out to the shops and buy the present. And they give it to the kid to pass on at the birthday party. See, in that, God is the one who's given the gifts to us. 
but they're not for us. They're actually for the building up and the strengthening and the encouragement of other people. Now, there's great variety in these gifts, and some of the gifts are mentioned here. And Paul gives a little instruction uh, on how to use each of them and use them well. But in all of them, he's really just saying, if God has given you this gift, then, then use it. And use it well for the benefit of others. If it's prophesying, if it's serving, if it's teaching, if it's exhorting, encouraging, or contributing, if it's leading, whatever gifts God has given you, use them. They are designed and given so the church will be built up and strengthened and encouraged. And so as we all serve and use our gifts, God incredibly is at work building and strengthening his church. See, from time to time, there's a place and a time to ask, how has God gifted South Barwon through me? Now, that's not, a, that's not an arrogant question or a prideful question. It's a servant question. How has God blessed, encouraged, strengthened South Barwon through me? Now, one of the questions that I put down there is about gifts. Uh, and I'd really encourage you in, in your growth groups over the next week or, or two when, when you get together to spend a bit of time talking together about what spiritual gifts you see in your, in your growth group. You might want to use this list. There's also some lists in, in 1 Peter uh, and in 1 Corinthians as well uh, and in a few other places. Uh, but go through them and, and see what gifts you see. And one of the benefits of doing that in community is that we often see gifts in others that, that we don't see necessarily, uh, first of all, in ourselves. We don't just want to be a church that fills roles, that has programs and just tries to wedge people in. We want to be a church where we know the spiritual gifts that God has blessed the church with through us and are active in using them in serving others. All right, third and final instruction here. And we're looking at verses 9 to 13. And it's really this. Let love be genuine. You want, want to live as a diverse body in unity? Let your love be genuine. Now, if you notice that in verse 9, it starts, let love be genuine. And then it goes on with a whole lot of other commandments, all the way down to the end of verse 13. It actually carries on further. But up until verse 13, um, they all hang on this one first commandment about love being genuine. And all the rest of them there explain what genuine love looks like. You could read it like this. It's, you could read it, Let love be genuine, abhorring what is evil, holding fast to what is good, Loving one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another and showing honor, not being slothful in zeal, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This, this is what genuine love looks like in the church. It is other person focused. 
It is looking for needs and thinking about how we can serve others. It's genuine affection that is outward looking that is practically expressed. When love is genuine, it makes all the difference in the life of the church. It makes all the difference the way that we, we meet together, the way that we gather in, in our growth groups. Fake love can be felt. Fake love can be discouraging. Think about all those things that we, we looked at last week about how we, we gather and how we come in a way that encourages praying before we come for, for God's work and, and thinking about how we're going to encourage other people and, and serve them. Uh, singing, listening actively, talking to each other after the service. Without genuine love, those things don't happen. They, they fall flat. But genuine love makes them a joy and a delight to do. Uh, but you might say, you don't know my church. It's hard to love. Trust me, I know your church. I agree, it's sometimes hard to love uh, as well. It's true, isn't it? It is sometimes hard to love people. And some people make it really difficult to love them and to love them well. But this is not a love that comes because it is worthy or it's earned. It's a love that flows from the very love that God has for us, for his people. It starts with God who first loved us and now calls us to love one another. Earlier in the letter, Romans chapter 5, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts. God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Chapter 8, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. That's where our love starts. That's where love for one another actually grows. In knowing and experiencing the love that God has for us. And it's the example, the model of the love that we're to have for one another. It would be foolish for you and I to, to think that uh, we might, our bodies might hate a part of it, reject a part of it, uh, spurn a part of our human bodies. Let's love one another with a genuine love. A love that comes from Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who loves, who loves your people, who loves your world. Thank you that you have poured your love into our hearts. You've shown your love definitively on the cross. Lord God, we do want to be a, a church where love is genuine, where it flows into serving, 
where it flows into caring for one another. But Lord God, we know that that starts with you. So please, Lord, work within us, work amongst us, work in our hearts, that we might love one another, serve one another, that being part of a South Barwon would be a joy and a wonderful privilege. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing our last song for this morning uh, and stand and sing. I encourage you to hang around and uh, keep chatting. Uh, We want to make the most of the time that we've got together uh, as well. Before we sing, let me just finish with these words from uh, 1 John chapter 4. It says, And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another.